Happy New Year, everybody. And for Jesslyn, Feliz Año Nuevo. Amen. It's good to have our missionary from Nicaragua, or Honduras. How about the movie? Out of Tegucigalpa. It's good to have you, Jesslyn. When you head back? January 22nd. Well, I know you'll fill up every day with something. We want everybody to have a pad, so we're ready to make sure everybody gets one of these. There's some up on the front row, and, and uh, we've got somebody to help in the back. And uh, some of you might have been here. If you've got an ink pen, it'll help if you have an ink pen. Uh, some of them might have. But if you didn't get one of these Wednesday night, uh, go ahead and get one. We want everyone to have one unless you're a nonconformist. If you're a nonconformist, you cannot have one of these. You understand what I'm saying, right? If you're a nonconformist, do not take one of these pads. Do not write on them. So we got everybody covered. We want everyone to have one of these except nonconformists, and they don't get one. We got some more in the middle office. Uh, on the table there. We, we want to make sure everybody gets one of these. And uh, we got some more here. We, there's a whole stack of them right up here. Um, somebody want to get these? I've, all, I've always wanted to be an usher. <coughs> Come on. Now let me get the usher blessing. Come on. Well, I thought I'd get preacher blessing and usher blessing that... The associate took my blessing away from me. All right, when you get this, I want, you to, I want you to do something with it real simple. Write your name on it. How's that? And put the day's date. First day of 2017. And we thought everything would break at Y2K, didn't we? <laughs> Here we are, 16, day, 16 years later, and everything's still working. Most computers are still working. But um, after you put your name and date, here's three words I want you to write on this pad. Here's the three words, priorities. Priorities. And that's the title of this morning's message. This is actually a carryover from uh, Wednesday night when some of them got the pad Wednesday night and they started early. I said, why, why should we wait till Sunday? Why don't we start doing some of this now as we finish up 2016 and go into 2017. Here's a second word, plan, singular, not plural, plan. And the third word is prayer. And I want you to look at this as a prayer pad. Um, and I'll, I'll say some more things about that in just a moment. The question uh, I don't know what your plan is for 2017, but here it is. It, it starts today. I don't know if you really thought about it. I'm not using the re- word resolution on purpose because I, I just think these things are kind of overused. But I'm using the word plan instead of resolution because I think a plan is better than I resolve to do something because that's just words. Anybody that follows through with that, how, do, how many know that you have to have a plan to do that? So let's just bypass that word and say, you know, what is the plan for 2017? I don't know what your plan is for this year, 
we've kind of we've kind of filtered it down to where we have some things that that Brenda and I have talked about for this year that we're really going to focus on. So, uh, but this is one thing for certain. No matter what you have planned or what you're thinking about, or if you don't have a plan, you're just glad to be here <laughs> and to be alive. That's okay too. But I can tell you this: God has a plan. God has a plan, and here's the question in front of us. Does your plan fit within God's plan? And that is the all-important uh, question. That's, is our plan that we have fully integrated with what God's plan is for us? Let's think about this year for a moment, 2017, and, and really about today. What, what are your plans today? Obviously, your plan today included TFA. God bless you. That's a good start to the day. But you may have already decided what, how you, where you're going to go eat and this sort of stuff afterwards. But don't worry about that. We'll get you out here in time so you can beat the Baptist to the restaurants. <laughs> That's what we used to say. We don't say that anymore. Because we love the Baptists. And they go as long as we do now, so... Or we go as short as they do. Maybe, maybe, that's, what, that's, maybe that's what's happened. I, I love my Baptist brothers. In fact, I'm going to be sharing uh, the pulpit with um, Pastor Herb Thomas at Circlewood when we have Jimmy Watson's Memorial Tuesday. So have the utmost respect for him. What a great guy. But what, what does God plan for you today? What? How do you see today working out as to what does God want from me or in me? Or how can I see what God has for me today? Not, not tomorrow, not next week, next month, next year. But what is God's plan for me today? And, and how can I mesh with that? Because I'm convinced if we don't have a plan for today, we're not going to have one for tomorrow that's workable. Because you say, well, yeah, I've got a plan for tomorrow. But, but listen, when, the morning, when in the morning happens, guess what? It's today. And so you have to have a plan for that day. And the only day you can have a plan for actively involving your actions is the day we live right now. This is why the Bible says today is a day of salvation. People cannot accept the Lord tomorrow. It's, it's impossible to do anything tomorrow. Are you following me? It's not complicated, really. This is why God says, this is the day, this is where you're at, this is the moment in time. So each day is a step in this journey of faith. I asked a man who had an ominous prognosis, did not have long to live. And the first time I sat down with him, and I, and I went to him on his request. Um, and I said, where, where is your faith journey what is the background of your faith? And he took me back to his early childhood and it explained a lot about his journey, about the things that happened to him. But he was making a lot of things reconciled with God and he did fully reconcile things with the Lord before he passed away. But I, I didn't want to assume anything because I didn't know. So I let him tell me where he was at, which is a safer way to approach it, right? So we're all on this faith journey and, and like in a car, if we're on a trip, we have certain markers to determine how we're doing, right? If we're on the interstate, we're looking at 
the signs, the mile markers, and our speed, and you know how fast we're allowed to go, and all of this stuff. And, and we, these are markers. What are the markers for our spiritual journey? How can we mark and measure and gauge how we're doing spiritually? Practically every part of the Sermon on the Mount, this is where we're going in Matthew chapter 6, practically everything about the Sermon on the Mount is that first word I told you to write down of the three words. It's about priorities. In fact, I don't think you can read much of the Sermon on the Mount without coming to the place that this is what's important to God. These are the priorities that the Lord has outlined for us. There's a, we're going to look at, at a section in chapter 6 where the, the emphasis, you know, how this chapter begins is about helping alms. It's about giving to people in need who are poor. And then the next section has to do with, with prayer. And then the next section has to do with fasting. And it's God's perspective on all these things. He's telling, Jesus is telling uh, the people how to handle these things, not the way some people are handling them. He's giving them an example of how not to do this. So he's showing God's priorities in regard to helping the poor, uh, how to pray, how do you approach prayer, how do you approach fasting. And then he gets down to some things that really zero in on priorities. And this is where we're going to start in verse 19. Because you know, when you get down to money, it is about priorities. And this is where he's going. Now watch this. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's like where your priority is, there's where your heart will be also. Interesting thing how he illustrates this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, I think the King James says, if, if, if it's single, if the light is single, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness, and then the light within you is darkness. In other words, he's saying, you cannot have two priorities operating in your life. You cannot have something that's light-driven and something that's darkness-driven. They will displace one or the other. If you give yourself to something that's dark, the darkness will fill you because it becomes your priority. But if you give yourself to light, when the light comes in, it drives the darkness out of you. And your eyes, your heart is healthy. Your life is healthy. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Again, he's talking about you can't have a dual passion and plan that's operating on two frequencies. You'll love one, you'll hate the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. <clears throat> Interesting that Sunday is the first day of 2017, so it could be that the first check you wrote this year was, was offering to the Lord. Isn't that a neat way to start the, the year out? The passage absolutely lists the top priority of our lives, who is God. God is the ultimate, unequivocally, God is the highest priority 
in our lives. Your relationship with God is your highest priority. You ought to write that down on the pad under priorities or, or start a column with priorities. That God has to be my highest priority. Write that on the pad. Because if we don't get that one right, we'll, we'll just live a life of confusion, going from one state to another state of confusion or frustration because we haven't really settled who's going to occupy the highest priority in our lives. And by the way, we make terrible saviors. We make terrible lords because it boils down to either we're letting him be the Lord or, or we're, we're just telling him, I got this. I can handle my life without you. Thank you very much. I'll call on you when I need you. There's some people whose spirituality is that way. God is their insurance policy. He's not the one who dictates to them what they do every single day or are they even uh, asking him for access to his wisdom and his counsel to make better decisions. Here's the thing. We are created, we are created to know God. Even the most uncivilized places that existed 50, 60, 100 years ago, when missionaries were going into cannibalistic territory, knowing that they might well just be the next meal for some tribe, even those people, as pagan, as based as they were, worshipped something. They hardly ever went anywhere that they weren't worshipping something, whether it was the crocodile in the river, that they would shove their children out if they were diseased. They would sacrifice their infants, shoving them out. You know, I was a little kid when Miller and Nellie Pipkin came back from Africa. And uh, as an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, listened to them talk about people. That's the way they were appeasing because things were against them. And so they, they felt like the gods were against them. They were worshiping something. We are created to worship. It just depends on who we're worshiping. So we are created to worship God. When people discover, you know, walk his trail, the whole thing about the five missionaries that were killed in Ecuador, Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and all of them, how those five missionaries were martyred by the very people they had made contact with and was helping, but they, had, they were really hallucinating on a drink that they had fermented. And they would have never killed them if they hadn't have been demented in that way. But the women, those widows did not leave the area. They went back into the area where these men lived and reached them with the gospel. And even those who are sociology specialists say, this, is, this doesn't happen in a place where death and killing is so prevalent that they make a dramatic shift to where life becomes valuable. But it did after these people accepted the Lord. It's a great story. We are created to know God, to worship Him. And the only way we can know God is through His Son. There's no other way to know God but through Jesus Christ. It is Jesus that reveals the Father to us. So I wrote on, on my pad what my, what my greatest desire is under the priority that I would know the Lord, that I would ex- discover more about Him, that my focus this year would be him, it would be seeking him and learning him and discovering him and going after him and not waiting for that to come to me, but for me to pursue him. And I wrote next to that on my pad, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozier, a book I recently read again. 
And it just swallowed me up again. You know, A.W. Tozer can do that. <laughs> just, just wreck you. Just, uh, Lord, your body's slamming me here. But it's, it's to wake, wake us up to what's really important in our life. And it has to be the Lord. You know, you think about this. One of the most famous statements that Jesus made, and a lot of people quote this, is this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn me. Discover me. Discover who I am. And if you think about it, a yoke is where two animals were normally attached to each other by single apparatus. Well, he's saying, come and be connected to me. Be next to me and discover me. And he says this. The first sermon I ever preached was from that passage in Childersburg. Thanksgiving, 1970. My pastor did everything but pull a gun on me and tell me I was preaching. I tried to tell him, I'm just going to school. I don't know how to preach. I'm, I'm, I'm just studying. Well, that, that, just, that didn't fly with Brother Carter. So I, I titled my message, It's Easy to Follow Jesus. And I took it from, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now think about it. If you discover him and you're close enough to him, you let him pull the heavier part of the load. And he said, that's what he wants to do. Where it says, cast your cares upon him, on him. For, he said, I care for you. Cast your care, meaning let me pull the heavier part of the load. If it's difficult, it's because we're like trying to go in a different direction than what we're yoked to him with. Read, listen, learn, pay attention, focus. And all through this, remember, Jesus is actively teaching people. This is one of the longest single-setting teaching, preaching sessions that we have in the Scriptures, in the, in the four Gospels. There's a Sermon on the Mount. I want you to drop down to the next verse, verse 25. He breaks it down even more about these things, about priorities. Therefore, I tell you, <clears throat> do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, see, don't worry about lunch. Don't worry about lunch. Don't worry about the temperature in the, in the sanctuary being uncomfortable. Well, no, I didn't say that. It says, don't worry about your body. <laughs> what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Boy, what a truth is in that statement, right? It's really a question. Look at the birds of the air. He even gives them an example a comparison. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? This is Jesus telling them. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of them. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For pagans run after all these things. You ever get those pagan memos in the mail? With coupons attached? I can get discounts on certain days. <laughs> he says, pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God already knows what you need. So he says, don't worry about it. Why should we not worry about it? Here where a priority statement come blazing from the lips of Jesus. This is a priority statement. Seek you first. Seek first his kingdom. God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And, and some translate, and these things will be added unto you. And the word is a, is a more intensive word. It means these things will just gather to you. They will just come to you without you trying to get them. And what he's saying is if you get your priority here right, all this other stuff down here, the, the Lord already knows what you need. It'll just start coming as a result of you putting him first. And people think we're just like trying to give motivational speech. This is Jesus telling a principle that if you seek first, first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things are going to be added unto you. And this was an agrarian society. This is where people farm. Most of these people didn't have jobs like we have jobs. They, they were down to basics. And food and clothing and drink was basic to their life. And he's even telling them that God has his eyes on you. He already knows that you need these things. Don't worry about it. You know, I think it's easier for us to say that to us because we, we have so many options in, these, in this regard. What we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. We have all kinds of... We have multiple pairs of shoes. We just got it all. But he was talking to people that these things were the basic needs of their life. And he says, don't worry about it. Seek first the kingdom of God. There's a great statement of priority in there. Seek first. Not to wait. Not be okay with, with God does this or doesn't do this. Just like, I'm not going to worry about it. God's going to do whatever he wants to do. No. He says, you have to seek him first. And he's going to cause these things to happen. It's not just whatever's going to be is going to be that I don't have to do anything. I have to be intentional about anything. That's not in here. It's all about focus. That's the word that he's, and that's the word I, I, I told the Sunday school class. I, I think that's the word that the Lord has spoken so clearly to me about 2017, not just me personally, but with Brenda. But I think our churches, we just need to be focused this year. We need to be zeroed in on what God wants. So write down God is your highest priority, level one priority. I haven't even gotten to plan or prayer yet, and I don't intend to, so don't worry. Don't worry about when you're going to get out. But drafting the plan for today, for 2017, listen, if you don't have objectives today, you're not going to have any tomorrow or for the year. So you can write them down, but at some point, you're going to have to have a plan to reach them. I want to encourage you also, the reason I put prayer down, I want you to use this pad to write prayers. To write prayers for your family. And he says, well, I don't know about writing prayers. Have you not read the Bible? There's prayers written all through it. Look how many times David not only wrote us a prayer, he wrote it to music. And if you think about it, how many songs that we sing are really prayers to music? 
asking God to minister to us, our, our appealing to Him for His presence and for His help. Write out prayers for your family. And listen, if you got time to read every little alert on Facebook, every little ding on the phone, that's why I turn that thing off. Especially when my sisters get going on text, that just drives me crazy. Because they just like go endlessly on text. It's like, take me out of the group, please. No, I didn't say that to them, but I, I bear with it. But if, if we have time to read all that, we've got time to read the Scripture. And if we got time, says, oh, yeah, that, you ought to get those people with smartphones. That's why you need to tell them like it is. But if you don't have a, a, a smartphone, but if you go through the Tuscaloosa News page by page and read every word in there, you've got time to read God's Word. It's not that we don't have time. Here's the problem. We don't have a priority designated. And if God is our priority, this is how he talks to us. He talks to us through his word. And if we're focused on it and listening, he will talk to you. I just think it's cool that I can at any point sit down with Apostle Paul and just hang out with him. If I read anything he's written down. And here's where I put my second priority. Just like I'm created to know the Lord, I was created to know Jesus. I know that you were created to know Jesus. You were created to know God in your soul. As Billy Graham would say, in your heart there is a vacuum, there is an empty place that nothing can fill except Jesus. People can crowd everything they can into that place where they want purpose and peace and hope. And nothing works there. Only Jesus works there. But after Jesus, my highest priority, I put down is Brenda. Just as much, as much I believe I was created to know God, I was created to be joined to her. And this is why, you know, it's weird that we even met. I was sharing with someone the other night about our son and our daughter, how unlikely it is for them to marry who they married. You know, I, was, I just thank the Lord, I'll say it right here, I just thank the Lord that I didn't have a car when I was in high school. Because that's how people dated. I rode a school bus all 12 years of my school experience. And I never thought that that was a bad thing. That it was embarrassing to ride a school bus as a senior. And either my dad picked me up from football practice or I hitched a ride with some of the other players who lived close to our house. When their dad or their car, you know, and, and what happens is that you just don't have these distractions. You can zero in on what God wants you to do and in his time, in his time, he will bring it to pass. And he did for us. She went to Southeastern declaring she would never marry a preacher. And I went to Southeastern saying, please leave me alone. <laughs> Let me major in something else. I don't want to do this. And so we met in the most unlikely scenarios. I told the Lord before I went to Southeastern for that junior year, I don't want to date anyone. I had a car by then. Well, it, was, it qualified as a car, right, Brenda? It was, it was a Mercury Comet 
that went through a can of this STP motor treatment, not oil, every month. You'd hear the rod knocking. When it got to knocking too bad, I put another can of STP oil treatment in it. Smoke coming out of the back. It's a car. You can see the floorboard when you're going down the road. It's so romantic. First time I took you out to get something to eat. I said, watch the mud splash here. We're going over some water. Pick your feet up. But we, we should have I said, Lord, I don't want to date anyone. I just want to focus on you. And, and it just happened. But neither one I was really wanting. Isn't it amazing? And God created us for each other. God created. So she is my highest priority. Here's the thing. That separately, we can never do as much for the kingdom of God as we can together. Because together, it's exponential, the influence that we have with each other. The teamwork we have and what we're created to do together. Now, there's a lot that I would love to fully explore this because I, I came across something this week that just knocked my, the doors off of my mind. From Genesis chapter 2, when God made Eve for Adam, and I heard this explanation, and, and I went and I started going into the Hebrew word. Does it really mean what that means? And I'm not going to tell you what it said. But, but you can just, it, it's like, I, I told her, here, here's this podcast. You need to listen to it from 5.50 mark to 8 minute mark. It is out of this world good. I'll just leave it at that. And on down that list, after family, our children, our grandchildren, is TFA. The church that I pastor has never been above my wife. Never been above my children. Because here's the way I say I never saw a tension between pastoring people and pastoring my wife. Being her husband, I felt that she's part of the church, and she's the part of the church that I'm supposed to be so committed to above everybody else, Right? And my children is where I'm supposed to be committed to them, to, to spend time with them, to love them, to teach them, to pray with them. And now it's our, our grandchildren. But I am committed to you. You are a priority. And one of the reasons why I want to see God's plan is I know whatever he does for me that helps me is going to filter down somewhere to be a blessing to other people. Plan. We're going to launch an outreach in February, the last Sunday in February. We evaluated our, our leadership, went over this. We had a conference call with Doug and the team from, Colorado, uh, from Oregon, and uh, we went with it. And I'm telling you, this is going to be one of the greatest things we've ever done. And we started giving online. Look at us. Look at TFA. <laughs> we have our own app, huh? We have our own app. It's beautiful. First time I pulled, I said, this is beautiful. You know something? The, the definition you like to give of insanity, we're free of that. We're not doing the same thing over and over and over expecting different results. We're doing something new. And this is going to be a, a year of newness. Get ready. And so here you are. You got this 24-cent pad. That's how much it is from Sam's. Sam's special. Can you imagine, can you think about for, and you didn't even have to pay the 24 cents. It's already taken care of, by the way. If you want to contribute to the cause, you can give your quarters up here after church service is over. <laughs> but can you think about something that 
even if you paid for it, a quarter, can you think what is the value of something that could help you get closer to the Lord? Isn't that amazing? What are you using it? And I am filling up the front and back of every page. Because when I launched this Wednesday on my own, it's like things were just coming to me. And here's the thing. I'm going to finish up here in just, well, we're doing great. I think I'm talking faster. Here's the main culprits to you not having a plan and, and not making a focus on prayer. I'm telling you, if you're a grandfather or a great-grandfather here, the best thing you can do for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, uh, if you're the uh, same thing as a grandmother, great is to pray for them. It's to intercede for them and to speak God's counsel over their lives and maybe, just maybe, write one of those prayers out and put it in a card and send it to them. As God leads you and and shows you, this is what I want you to speak over their life. But here's the main culprits from this not happening is distractions. I said focus is the important word this year is focus. But we won't focus if we're distracted, right? So I looked up something about attention span. And I looked up attention span for children. Amazing what you can find. Attention span for children. Here's an article, Seven Ways to Increase a Student's Attention Span. Seven things. And number four is this. Remove visual distractions. And I really think what Jesus is saying here is that you're obsessed with food, you're obsessed with clothing, with what you're going to drink. He says, and because you're obsessed with that, you cannot see clearly the plan of God. The plan of God is that God be the center and the priority of your life. And if you make that clear, everything else will come into proper focus. And this is for educators. This is a a website for educators to go to. Here is how they explain. When a child is struggling with a difficult task, clutter in the classroom or on the desk can make it impossible Mute this thing. Can make it impossible to keep his or her brain where it needs to be. Remove unnecessary clutter. Do you hear that? This is not just for kids. This is for us. Remove unnecessary clutter and visual experience from the workspace. This gives the child fewer excuses for not focusing on the task at hand. So eliminate clutter. The other culprit is division. If anything can divide a home, divide our interests, divide our energies, then whatever we write on that pad is put in jeopardy. So we've got to all be on the same page. And I say we all. I'm not talking about collectively we all write. But in a marriage, what you write on that pad needs to be pretty close to the same thing. And be committed to that and pursuing that. The worst thing that we could do is nothing. Not do anything. Lived unplanned days, wait for the seconds, the minutes, the hours, the days. Turn the calendar from one day to another day and repeat the above 
not only does this not allow you as an individual to explore and experience the presence of God and the power of God and the purpose of God, the ones you are connected to lose out to. It's just not, we can't do anything whether it's good or bad without it influencing the people closest to us. How parents go is, is their children feel the effect of that. If they're doing well, the children feel the effect of it. They might not even know all that's going on, but they feel, they sense it in a home. If there's division in a marriage, the children pick up on that. If there's problems, children pick up on that. And this is the clutter. Brandon, if you and the praise team can come back up. And here's what I want, here's what I want to finish with is this. This, this today, January 1, 2017, even when I say that, it's like, wow, that is amazing. We've already spent 16 years in this century. And now we're starting on the 17th year. But here, this, we, we ought to decide today, whatever you write on that pad, and, and I hope that you at least write the date and your name, because that's how you start. But do more than that. You are able, you are physically well enough to be here today. My mother didn't attend church the last eight years of her life. Because she was bedridden with Alzheimer's. So we took church to her every day with Bill Gaither music. And the, the, one of the sitters was a Sunday school teacher, and she would come in and teach mother what, what, whatever mother could grasp or not. We don't know, but she had a Sunday school lesson taught every, every week, every Sunday. We, we put on worship. We prayed with her, and we talked to her. But I guarantee that woman would have been in a place of worship if she was physically able and here we are, we're physically able to be here. It is, it is a great privilege to have that kind of health to be here. Since you're here, decide that this year, you know, decide this year that you're going to discover Jesus in a greater way. And you guys go ahead and start playing. So would you stand with me?